The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. To know the score. I'm your host, Don Bellarente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much. It is Saturday. It is a beautiful day in Music City, and let's get it. All right. And today, we are joined by a very special guest, making her very first appearance on Know the Score, <laughs> Miss Riri Phillips. How are you, Riri? I am so well. Thank you very much. I like that. I feel like a star. I feel like Angela Bassett. <laughs> well, you are welcome. <laughs> yes, welcome. Let everybody know where they can follow you on Twitter and the social medias and that sort. Oh, Lordy. Uh, at Riri Phillips. Oh, wait, am I? Yeah, at Riri Phillips on the Twitters. At Riri, a.k.a. Boss Lady on the Instagram. My Instagram is a lot more fun. All right. Another score is being brought to you by CSPN. You can find us on the web at CSPN.us. So we're going to get right into it. The free agent bombshell finally dropped as the Spurs traded Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green to the Raptors for DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl in a protected 2019 first round draft pick. Now, Riri is on the show specifically <laughs> because... Not only is she a Toronto Raptors fan, but she is a Toronto Raptors season ticket holder. Amen. Woo! So, Amen. so this particular trade has soured a lot of people throughout the NBA players, especially as they feel that the Raptors have done DeMar DeRozan a disservice as his general manager uh, said that he would not be traded during the summer. And Kawhi Leonard said he did not want to play for Toronto. Two things that did not want to happen did happen. So, Riri, the city has been up in arms as they've lost their chosen son because Toronto has a weird thing with their superstars. Like, you know, Vince Carter really didn't want to be there when he was there and he left you guys as quick as he could. Uh, Pages Toyakovich signed a like free agent contract and then like turned around like two weeks later and rescinded it and went to Orlando. So, DeMar DeRozan has been kind of the first guy that was like accepting of the city and embracing the city and saying, this is my city. I'm here for hopefully the rest of his career. So your initial feelings and the you know your thoughts basketball wise and personally seeing Demar Derozan traded for Kawhi Leonard. Okay, so let me let me say this first. My initial reaction has shifted to my current reaction just based on what I've heard and stuff like that. But I also want to make the fact that hindsight being 2020, Vince Carter. Uh, Tracy McGrady, they've all said that they would have stayed in Toronto. But I think what happened is Toronto was such a fresh new team that nobody wants to be on a team that isn't going to make the playoffs or a team that's not winning. Let's let's be clear, right? So in saying saying that, um, I also don't buy into the whole, oh, nobody wants to play in Toronto because there's a lot of women um, that would tell you different. Um, There's a lot of people in the city that would tell you different because the players do enjoy playing here while they're visiting and also living here. 
but I digress. So when the trade initially happened, um, my first thought was, what the freak? Because I was always saying that maybe three years ago, we should have fired Casey. The fact that DeMar DeRozan decided to be loyal to us and sign, I was like, this is the start of something big. I would have actually preferred that we didn't re-sign Kyle Lowry. But hey, I don't get everything I want. So I think once um, the trade happened, and Kawhi had said Toronto wasn't even on his radar, I'm thinking, are we going to have another Alonzo Mourning? Are we going to have another situation where a player signs here but then says, oh, I'm going to sit down and not play? And then all of a sudden, instead of us being the top three or top four in the East, we're now going to become a bottom feeder team? That wouldn't, that's not going to work for me. You know what I mean? Um, now, having watched Masai's um, press conference yesterday, I mean, he basically started by apologizing to DeMar, saying that it might have been miscommunication. I was joking with my hubby and I said, he's going to blame it on his African accent. But hey, that's what people do. And um, from what he said, which I totally understand, is that when he came to Toronto, he had inherited both Casey and DeMar and he had given them an opportunity to try and make it work. And his job as a GM is to win. So realistically, while I hate the fact that we traded somebody that's loyal to us, I love the fact that the GM is trying to make us into a championship team, ASAP. All right. If that makes any sense. So I'm now in the wait and see. Like, if Kawhi is going to play and he takes us to the promise line, and truthfully, the only promise line that we have right now is to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. We can't just make the playoffs. We can't just win the first and second. We literally have to go to the Eastern Conference Final, and we actually probably have to go to the NBA Finals to actually make it worth his while. Right. And I think if we don't, if we don't, sorry to interrupt there, if we don't, I think Masai's job is going to be um, not necessarily on the line, but people are going to look at him sideways again. Okay. So, Dwayne, I'll bring you in. Now, we'll talk about this from the Kawhi Leonard standpoint with you. Kawhi Leonard said that he did not want to play for Toronto. Everybody knows that his final destination wants to be the L.A. Clippers. But the Thunder were successful in getting a guy with one year left on his contract to stick around after he was traded for Give me your honest percentages of Kawhi Leonard first showing up and playing for the Raptors and your second percentage of him sticking around and signing a free agent deal after this season. Oh, boy, that's a, that's a really tough question, but that's what we're here for, right? So let's go ahead and say this. On, on the levels of my personal confidence, Kawhi, I think he's going to show up, you know, at the end of the day, you got to be a professional. And even though he had those issues in San Antonio, whatever they were, I mean, Kawhi's pretty much a mute. So we honestly don't know what's going on. We can only guess what's going on. So um, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a professional. He's going to show up. He's going to work hard if he's healthy. And, and I think he'll get the Raptors, you know, possibly the Eastern Conference Finals, which I would hope it will be against a team like Boston or Philadelphia. We'd have to wait and see. And then after, but I think he is, at the end of the day, still wanting to go west. I want to say the likelihood of him showing up will be will be about 85 to 90%. I'm going to just leave a little bit of leeway, you know, kind of like, you know, maybe he may not show up, you may sit out and be a big baby or whatever. But I think the also the uh, likelihood of him signing, unless they have a special season 
and they go to the promised land. They win it all. And then he realizes, hey, this is a pretty, pretty dope-ass town, which I, I've never been to Toronto as an adult, but just seeing how beautiful it is, I would love to visit. And I think it is an awesome town just from an outsider's perspective. I can't wait one day to experience it. I think he could stay, but I think his desire to go west and be the man in, in an L.A. Clipper uniform is going to really trump everything else. Uh, we already knew he wanted to go to the Lakers, but now there's a, you know, there's a uh, some player named LeBron James here or whatever. So, um, I think I think it'll be one of those things, like we were saying in the before the show started, Don. Like this was a huge risk, and you know maybe Toronto will reap the benefits of it. Maybe not. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Now, Miss Riri, I'm going to get you back in on this question. What will Kawhi Leonard provide your team that you guys have been lacking prior to him joining the team? Um, he will provide two-way, you know, like he's a two-way player, so offense and defense, which is great. But he's also, you know, one thing I thought about is that he's been under pop, right? And that's a special, special team. I've, I, I've always liked the Spurs because I like winning teams. So as much as I hate LeBron, I like LeBron because he's a great basketball player and he's a great basketball tactician. And I think um, that Kawhi is going to bring everything that he learned from the Spurs to us, and that will make us a better team, right? Um, and sidebar, I actually think that DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertle are going to become freaking ridiculous players this season. For the all right, all right. So I, I know we're going to benefit. But but it's one of those show and prove kind of things. No, it's a sh- it's a show and prove. He he will be a good player, but everybody has to mesh. And one thing that happened with us last year is that we all meshed together. So we didn't like we literally had an amazing bench, an amazing um, team, but we fell apart in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Which I think is a coaching thing, but that's a different story in itself. Okay, all right. So that's the fallout from a Toronto Raptors season ticket holder on the that's right on the trade. Go Raps, go! We the North. <laughs> Don't don't get me started, eh? Don't get me started. So, okay, I must leave you guys. Thank you thank so very you. much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, Dwayne. Now, shift over to the Thunder. They finally found a trade partner in the Atlanta Hawks for Carmelo Anthony. So, the Thunder are going to pick up Dennis Schroeder and Mike Muscala and also a 2022 protected first-round pick. And Carmelo Anthony will be waived by the Hawks to become a free agent. So that looks like it's going to clear up the pathway for Carmelo to go to the Rockets, but he's also entertaining the Heat. So first off, what do you think Dennis Schroeder was going to add to the Thunder? Is this going to be the backup point guard they finally been looking for for Russell Westbrook? Schroeder will have to adjust to a bench role, of course, but I think it gives the Thunder a great second unit leader. Uh, it gives Russell Westbrook a chance to rest a little bit more. So he doesn't have to play 46, 47 minutes a game. I also like the fact that, uh, you know, the guy that they got from the Sixers, because remember, it's a three-way deal. Yeah. And so, you know, the guy they got from the Sixers is a good three-point specialist. And the Sixers get the guy that they lost. I mean, they had Erson Ilyasova, who left. Then they had the 
how a player who was going to go to Europe after signing, well, he didn't sign. He agreed, but he didn't sign. And then he was going to go to Europe, but then ended up signing with the Sacramento Kings. So uh, now you get Mike Muscala. The Sixers get him, who's a three-point specialist and a big man as well. So he stretches the floor. So the Sixers don't really lose too much there either. And then the Hawks, you know, they they um, they pretty much get a disgruntled shooter out. And then they get, you know, they get pretty much a, a step in the rebuilding process uh, and acquiring Carmelo, then buying out the contract and then freeing up cap space. So it's a win-win all around for for the Thunder, for the Hawks, and for the Sixers. This is a great trade. All right. Now, it was uh, widely speculated that back in the New York Nick days that the reason why Mike D'Antoni and Carmelo had such friction and the reason why D'Antoni basically got ousted as the coach was because Carmelo refused to play power forward. Well, with the speculation being that the Rockets are the front runners to acquire his services now that he's a free agent, are we going to have another situation where Carmelo Anthony is not going to want to play power forwards for Mike D'Antoni? Because that's the role that he would fit perfectly into in their system, the way that their roster is currently constituted. I think he's going to play power forward this time because he's going to have somebody to somebody that's going to hold him accountable, and that's James Harden and Chris Paul. And these two, as close as they were to beating the Golden State Warriors, they they will check Carmelo's ego at the door. They will force uh, Carmelo to get along with D'Antoni. I think, you know, Carmelo has an ego. Carmelo has a pride. He has a lot of pride. But I think when you have, when you have guys who have been there, who, who have flourished in the system, because D'Antoni was on the verge of getting what he had in Phoenix in New York, but, you know, it was Carmelo's team. Like, Carmelo would not really comply or conform to the system. He's going to have to conform to the system this time because there's, there's star power. He didn't have that star power in New York because he was a star. And I think you got two bigger stars – and if he really wants to go to Houston, he's going to really, like I said, check the ego at the door and fall in line. All right. So Carmelo Anthony uh, is probably the last big fish to find a landing spot here in this year's free agency for the NBA. Um, been a lot of, you know, just a wild, wild free agent season. And uh, next year probably be even crazier because there's supposed to be bigger money out there next year. So we'll see what next year holds. Um, just in some other things that happened in the NBA, cleaning up the summer league, the Portland Trailblazers, they finished the summer league seven and oh, and they won the Vegas summer league. And Josh Hart was named the MVP of the Vegas summer league. So um, I know a lot of Lakers fans were uh, really excited that he did not get traded, that he wasn't a part of a package to grab Kawhi. And it looks like uh, LeBron was out there watching him play a couple of games and, and, you know, seemed to show him a lot of love. So, Looks like Josh Hart is uh, on his way to, you know, having a very successful second year with the Lakers. Um, anything that caught your eye throughout this summer league? I know you're there and, uh, you know, in Nashville, but I know the Grizzlies are probably on your radar. Jaron Jackson looked really good 
and a lot of the games that he played before he twisted an ankle and they kind of shut him down just for precautionary reasons. But uh, right. anybody else that kind of stood out to you this uh, summer league season? I want to say Miles Bridges did as well. He had a pretty decent summer league for the Hornets. Uh, you know, closely working in the arena and, you know, being from Charlotte, you know, it was good to see him and Malik Monk kind of flourish in that in that system. And it's going to be interesting to see how how things go forward with the Hornets, how, you know, they get everything going uh, with that team. I want to say, uh, yeah, that, Jaron Jackson, he was a monster. DeAndre Ayton definitely did his thing uh, in the summer league. You know, definitely show why he was the number one pick in the draft. And he's going to be the face of the Phoenix Suns for years to come as well. So um, I want to say Frank Mason, too. I mean, Frank Mason had a pretty awesome summer league, too. So let's not, you know, sleep on the fact that the Kings, they have a good, you know, second unit guard there. So those are kind of the things that stood out to me during the summer league. All right. Uh, just a reminder that this is Know the Score. I'm the host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co-host, The Libra Icon. You can find Know the Score on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. All you have to do is search Know the Score, download, and subscribe. So, Dwayne, we're going to talk about some MLB as we had the Major League Baseball All-Star Game take place in Washington, D.C. this past Tuesday night. And the American League won its sixth straight All-Star Game. Eight to six in ten innings. We had a combined ten home runs hit by both teams. Alex Bergman of the Houston Astros was named the MVP after hitting the go-ahead home run in the tenth inning. Uh, this was one of the more entertaining All-Star games. Uh, give a big shout out to Scooter Jeanette of the Cincinnati Reds who hit a pinch hit two-run homer in the ninth to tie it up at six. And then the American League dropped back-to-back home runs as teammates Alex Bergman. And George Springer hit back-to-back home runs in the 10th inning to give the American League the win. Uh, did you happen to catch any of the game, doing? I did. I caught the tail end of it when all the runs were starting to happen. Um, you know, pretty, pretty relaxed game for the most part. And then the offense just picked up. You know, starting with that Segura home run in the, I want to say, in the 7th or the 8th. And, and uh, that kind of... Looked like the American League was going to just win it then, and then Scooter Jeanette kind of said not so fast, tied that game up at at six, and then and then uh, the back to back home runs from Bregman and Springer, uh, Springer, I should say. Uh, those were it was really an exciting finish. Uh, you know, of course, there were kind of concerns like pitcher pitching wise, who was available. You know, we don't want another 2002 incident where the game ends in a tie. So, um, so it's kind of kind of like those Houston Astros kind of came through in that regard. So, it was a very entertaining game, one of the more entertaining games I've seen in the last few years. And and um, hats off to the American League; they they just been showing uh, the senior circuit that you know. It's just really about the juniors right now. So, man, as a uh, National League guy, it hurts my heart to read that they've won six straight. Agreed. I mean, I am I'm a National League guy myself. So, um, 
you know, really does really does suck to see that, you know, they just can't seem to get that that uh, that win. So, you know, because it still determines home field. So, you know, AL gets home field yet again in the World Series. Kind of wish they scrapped that and go back to going by record. But, you know, what can you do? Now, one of the things that's coming out of Major League Baseball during the All-Star break is kind of the marketing of players and especially, uh, you know, Mike Trout, a guy who's putting up numbers that, you know, only the greatest of the greats have ever put up, at, you know, at his age and his experience level in the major leagues. And, you know, for a while, everybody's been kind of, you know, iffy on Major League Baseball because they're the one sport that really doesn't put their superstar players out in front of their league. They just kind of say, hey, the game is the game and, and the players inside of the game, if they're good, they're good and they don't do anything extra. What is your feelings towards Major League Baseball and how they market their players? I mean, this is nothing new, even going back to King Griffey Jr., Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez. I think the only time they really actually had that one campaign was for McGuire and Sosa with the Chicks did the long ball. And I think that was more of a Nike campaign than anything, but that actually kind of helped Major League Baseball and that kind of burned them. So um, just their recent marketing of players in the game. What do you feel, you know, how, how is Major League Baseball doing in your estimation? Well, they could do a real better job of marketing these guys. Um, especially with Mike Trout, you know, he's really the best player in the game right now. And him being the best player in the game in a number two market in the United States, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, what are, what is the league doing? What are, what is this team doing as well? You know, do they have any uh, marketing? They could definitely market their players more like the NBA does, make it, um, you know, make it more appealing to the casual fan. Because, I mean, if we look at the NBA, I mean, you have a lot of, have a lot of young guns, but the NBA markets those players so well. I mean, like people who either stop watching basketball or don't really watch basketball that much, they at least know who LeBron James is. They at least know who, uh, they at least know Kobe Bryant. They still know about Michael Jordan. Like, I know people who don't even know anything about basketball, but they know those names. Uh, you mentioned a Mike Trout or a Bryce Harper to that same kind of person, that would be like, who is that? So uh, baseball has always had a way of lack of marketing. I mean, you it's been more like the shoe companies and, and who've been able to market these guys a lot more. I mean, you remember at uh, even in the days of Ken Griffey Jr., I mean, I mean, he still had a freaking video game named after him. So, um, but at the end of the day, baseball can do a better job. The NFL does a pretty good job, and even the NHL. I think the NHL does a decent job. I mean, you got guys who have an awareness of who Sidney Crosby is. Alex Ovechkin, who's really been one of the more marketable players, and especially with the Stanley Cup, like people know who he is now. So, 
there there's a lot of work to be done in baseball. I also think it, it would help if the teams if the season wasn't as long because it's such a long season, and then and then you know it would also give probably those teams with superstars more chances to make a run at the playoffs and get more uh, get more buzz. All right. A player with a lot of buzz, Manny Machado. He got traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, for five minor league prospects, including outfield prospect uh, Eugenio Diaz. Um, The Dodgers are going to have him play shortstop to start off with, but he'll probably be able to relieve uh, Justin Turner on some days where he needs some rest just because he's been dealing with some injuries uh, throughout this year. So this kind of changes the whole uh, balance of power out in the National League where now the Dodgers, who have looked like they found their stride in the last month and a half, now have, you know, a big bat and a guy who's going to basically make them the favorites to win the National League again and appear in the World Series. So your thoughts on uh, Manny Machado adding uh, his bat to the lineup and defense to the or I mean, excuse me, to the Dodgers. Well, it's a great addition, and it shows not only the Dodgers that are ruling the National League, but they're also ruling the city of Los Angeles. I mean, this is a team that has shown a lot of poise, a lot of patience, and, you know, they're willing to give up probably one of the, their best prospects in Diaz uh, I think the Orioles are going to get a star in the future in Diaz. Um, the Dodgers have been on win-down mode for the last several years, so uh, the ability to get hot at the right time in the past month and a half and then to get back in the National League race and then and then finally to overtake the National League in, in terms of, you know, Getting Machado. I mean, he had four hits in his debut as a Dodger, and so he's going to be uh, one of the key cogs in and um, getting LA back to the World Series. And I think they have the tools to win it all. If Turner gets healthy, watch out. This team is going to be very dangerous. Yeah, the uh, the bullpen looks like they're starting to get their, their act together as well. So the Dodgers are going to be very dangerous in the second half of the season. They could go on one of those big 20-game winning streaks again like they did last year, uh, just out of the blue. Because, I mean, once they get hot and that pitching staff gets rolling, man, it's difficult to stop those guys. So we'll keep uh, everybody abreast of the Dodgers and Manny Machado, how that works out. This episode of Know the Score is being brought to you by Amazon.com. Please. Go to cspn.us, click on the tab that says keep our podcast free, scroll down. Once you click on that tab and you'll see amazon.com. Do all your shopping as you normally would with Amazon and some of your purchase comes back to the CSPN to help keep Know the Score free each and every week. So shopping through Amazon and CSPN, do it today. All right. Our final topic this week comes from the NFL as the NFL and the Players Association agree to rescind the national anthem rules amid controversy following a report that the Miami Dolphins could be fined or suspended games if they protested during the national anthem. Now, of course, we had the 
kind of the thing that came down earlier in the spring where, you know, anybody who was on the field during the playing of the anthem must stand and blah, 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 blah. And anybody who didn't want to could stay in the locker room without any judgment or any penalty. Well, the Miami Dolphins apparently submitted their code of conduct uh, policy to the NFL And in that, they had language that said a player could be suspended up to four games if they were on the field and kneeled for the national anthem. So this got out to the media, caused a big hubbub. Miami tried to get out in front of it, tried to pull it back. The league actually got out in front of it and said, "Okay, we're just going to halt the whole rule. And then we're going to try to work with the Players Association to figure something out. So Dwayne. The National Football League looks like they they want to do maybe not a 180, but they at least want to do about a 90 degree turn and kind of maybe now include the Players Association in whatever solution they come up with. How do you think that this is going to play out? Is this going to be another media nightmare? Are they going to be too afraid of what Trump's going to say to actually come up with something that both sides can, you know, agree upon? So. First of all, fuck Stephen Ross. Because Stephen Ross was one of the originally, he was on the, he understood where the players were coming from. And then he was one of the main ones that came out that was pretty much essentially scared of Donald Trump. And now, with him doing that 180 and then announcing that code of conduct, it just shows how much, how much of a pussy he really is. So, yeah, so I don't really respect Stephen Ross. I don't I don't like the fact that the Miami Dolphins announced that code of conduct and policy. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do like that the Players Association finally was like, had enough of this and filed that grievance. And I think there'll be a more better solution to the problem. Well, I won't even say a problem to this issue. There'll be a more there'll be a better solution to this issue. What the solution will be, I don't know. You know, I think watching this team, watching what the Dolphins did and watching uh, watching the being afraid of Donald Trump, being afraid of what he's gonna say is not you know, this is something that can't have a, a productive solution without his influence. And so, you know, a 90-degree turn is better than and doing nothing on or coming back and making a full 360 where you do all this adjustments for nothing. So I think the fact that they re- rescinding it and then working with the Players Association something they should have done in the first place will be more productive than just saying, hey, if you do this, you'll get fined or you you could sit here or have a designated area where you don't want to stand and all this. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I think there'll be more productive discussions towards a better solution. Uh, But the Players Association should have been consulted on this and these owners need to really stop worrying about what that orange hair buffoon thinks so uh 
to me, this has very curious timing with the fallout from the Papa John's comments and, you know, him basically getting removed out of the paint from everything that Papa John's as a uh, franchise and a business was uh, involved with. And one of those being, you know, one of the major, major sponsors for the NFL. And now that they don't have to worry about that voice and that $40 million, it seems like this came up kind of quick. Like, okay. You know, you guys want to, you know, we need to reevaluate it. Okay, this is like the perfect time. It just seems like the coincidence of that is really funny. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I do. It is pretty curious. I will, I will, you know, now that you bring the horrible Papa Jobs thing and the economics of it, it does really make things curious, especially since, you know, his name is off the, Louisville Stadium anyway, which there really wasn't an agreement with the restaurant. There was an agreement with him. Like his name. It was actually his nickname that was on the stadium, not the... They just used the the logo for Papa John's Pizza, but um, the timing is curious, but, you know, and this was something that should have been, like I said, should have originally been discussed with the players' union to begin with, and uh, at least now they're more they're involved in it. I was kind of wondering what Demore Smith was doing while this all was going down, but it looks like finally they're getting they're getting on it and trying to make right decisions. Right. Yeah. So hopefully, man, we can get this you know sorted out and everybody can stop mislabeling mislabeling what it's about. And, you know, everybody can understand that it's never been about the flag. It's just that's a good platform where everybody's watching. And maybe it'll make you think about it for a minute and a half. And then you can go on and watch the rest of your three-hour and 45-minute football game, and it never comes back up again. Exactly. And get Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed a job, please. Yes, please, please. So, Dwayne, at this point, man, we've come to the end quick episode this week as uh, like like we said last week we we're in the dog days of the sports world so your shout outs and thank yous well I want to thank uh, Riri Phillips for joining us very insightful uh, view of the Toronto season ticket holder that was very 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 informative so shout out to her thank you for being on shout out to my friends my family all those that have stuck by me, CSPN, all the podcast hosts, and, you know, shout out to you, Don. Shout out to Jesse Nabias. Hopefully we'll uh, get them back on soon. And um, my final thought has to be um, world record. Um, Liverpool broke the bank last in January for the world record for a defender of Virgil Van Dyke. They break the bank again for a world record in a goalkeeper, signing uh, Brazil's Allison from Roma for, uh, I want to say, 75 million euros. So it's a world record for a goalkeeper. Uh, Liverpool's really tried to not only get back to the Champions League final and win it all, but try to get their first Premier League title ever. They've never won uh, a league title in the Premier League. Last league title was 1992, so uh, the year before the Premier League was established, so, or 1990, I should say. Um, so, um, 
that's pretty much we're gonna see how all this money is being spent in the summer and fall and winter gels and hopefully they'll reap the benefits all right Dwayne, I'd like to thank you for joining me again this week as always. Give a shout out to Nabias and Jesse as well. To everybody here on CSPN, thank you to all the listeners who download and listen each and every week. My final thought will be two final thoughts. I'm going to give a big shout out to Liz Cambay, who scored 53 points, a new record in the WNBA. I think she had like 17 rebounds to go along with that game as well. Yeah, so, yeah, watch them work. Yeah, so just a, a monster game for her. And I'd like to give a shout out to Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. He's a uh, minus five on Saturday here at the British Open as he went from around 18th to at the top of the leaderboard. He was six under, but he's given back one shot since we've been recording. So now he's currently tied for fifth place with two holes to go. So it looks like Tiger's going to be in the mix on Championship Sunday over in uh, Karnuski. So. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. So hopefully Tiger Woods can, you know, stir the echoes one more time and, and bring home that that Claret Jug. So really exciting watching him go low right now. He's went on a, a good birdie streak. And like I said, got the lead, gave one shot back. He's got two more holes to play. Hopefully he can kind of stay around five or six under and, uh, you know, put some pressure on those guys tomorrow. So good luck to Tiger. Four, the Libra icon to win. For Miss Riri Phillips, thank you for joining us as well. I'm Don Bellarente, and now, the United States.